Welcome to Harvest Time. My name is Chris Harper, and our host on this program is Pastor Gary Walton, the pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. We often have the great opportunity on Harvest Time to tell you the stories of Harvest Baptist Church as we feature interviews with our members and sometimes other friends of the ministry. We always want to invite you during this time to join us at Harvest Baptist Church this weekend. We have our morning worship service Sunday at 10.30 a.m. when we'll be back in our series Pursuing Our Mission and this week in Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. But let's begin the program today by welcoming Pastor Gary Walton. Hi, Pastor. Half a day, Chris. It's good to be back with you and talking about church and talking with some of our church family. Um, yeah, this Sunday we're coming back to the series in uh, the book of Acts. I was not on island last Sunday, so I missed out. We had a week uh, of uh, Dr. Yo uh, preaching on Sunday morning, but um, we're coming back to Acts chapter 2 in the end of the passage. Um, one of the great things about studying the first chapters of the book of Acts is that they explain for us what the essence of the church is. You know, I mean, there's no buildings, there's no programs, uh, none of the things that most people think of when they, when they think about what a church should look like or the things that they use to judge a church. It is just the body of Christ in its purest form. And I think the passage that we're looking at this Sunday, verses 41 through 47, is the prime passage in all of the scripture to describe what a church should look like. Now, the, the New Testament talks about a lot of other things. It's not the only one. But if we're going to just look at one snapshot of what the church should look like, I think we find it in Acts 2, 41 through 47. So we're going to begin a few weeks, actually, of studying through it. I think it's such a critical and essential um, topic for us. So we'll spend a few weeks in these few verses just walking through the essence of what the church is. And uh, so we'd invite others to come along. We'd love to have you join us as we go through this study. And we're also glad today to be able to have one of our deacons. One of the things we've been doing at Harvest Time is interviewing and talking with some of the people that are key parts of the Harvest family. And particularly over the last couple of months, we've been talking with some of our deacons. So John Marshall is with me today, and John has been serving at Harvest and Harvest Ministries for some time. I'll ask him about that in a minute. But he's also serving on an, uh, our deacon group, our deacon fellowship. So we're glad to have you maybe introduce you to the listening audience uh, today. I know you've been on before, but as, as a new deacon, right, John? Uh, yes, sir. First time since then. Yeah, so it's uh, always good to be on the radio uh, to talk with our pastor and to be able to share a little bit of what's going on in our life uh, here at Harvest. Yeah, well, very good. Tell me a little bit about your background. Where did you grow up? What kind of a family were you a part of? I grew up in North Carolina. My dad is a pastor as well. He grew up there and became a pastor pretty quick after he got married. And he's been there 30-some years, getting close to 40 years, I think. But I grew up in a strong Christian family. My father was a pastor. My mom taught in a Christian school. So I got to go to a Christian school, kind of see how that is, see my dad struggle with like just juggling a lot of ministry. Uh, it was a small church in a small school. So he was the principal of the school and also the janitor of the school. 
and then he was the pastor, and then uh, also to, to pay the bills. In the Navy, he worked on a nuclear sub, okay. and he watched the reactor and stuff. So he got to work as uh, the maintenance supervisor at a metalworking plant in North Carolina. So he was kind of a jack-of-all-trades. He worked hard. Yeah, it's not um, that unusual of a story, actually, mm-hmm. of men that have felt called to the ministry and— God has asked them to serve in some places that are maybe not as large, but have faithfully served. And at the same time, they work jobs and raise families. And there's a, a lot of sacrifice that's mm-hmm. involved in there. And I've always th- thought this, that I think the rewards in heaven for s- some of these faithful shepherds is, are going to be great. It's neat that you had the chance to see that from your dad and your mom as you're grown up. When did you begin to follow the Lord? Um, I think probably a similar testimony of a lot of my peers. Growing up in a Christian family, I heard the gospel very young, and so I couldn't remember myself, but they had told me probably around five was the first time I understood that I had sinned and that I needed the Lord's forgiveness for that, that only Christ could forgive my sin as only he had paid for my sin. But then going to Christian school and wanting to fit in with the kids that maybe said they were Christian but didn't really have a walk to match it. There's a lot of times students, even here at Harvest, they might, if they know that they're doing something that's not right, they're not quite in step with the Lord, uh, they may have doubts of their assurance and things like that. So I had uh, doubts in high school for a little bit, um, kind of, uh, then even in college a little bit as well. But the Lord just reassured me that through those times that it was kind of uh, like he was holding on to me. Uh, mm. I uh, looked at a lot of passages from Peter uh, about Peter that, um, you know, I've prayed for you that your faith would fail not and just uh, give assurance. It's not me holding on to him. He's already holding on to me. He can't break his promises. So I got more assurance actually like in college actually. I think I was saved, mm-hmm. you know, younger. I remember being baptized very, very clearly at, uh, when I was a seven, and always had a desire for his word, but I still had doubts while growing up. But I think the Lord used that as to help people. A lot of people struggle with that and just help them understand, too, uh, what faith is and how we trust in the Lord. Yeah, well, that idea of the fact that God is the one, he's the primary uh, factor in salvation, mm. and he is the one who who holds us, um, gives us confidence that our salvation rests in God, not in us. And of course, you know, we, we know that our responsibility is to, to believe, and there's a, certainly a faith connection, and um, there must be a place where we seek God's forgiveness. But in the end, salvation is of God, and we can rest in, in that work that he's done for mm. us. Um, it's not because I'm good enough at mm-hmm. any place along the way, mm-hmm. um, but because God is good and he's powerful. And um, so that's a great testimony. Uh, John, tell me about how you met your wife, Christy, and how you came to Guam, how you came out to Harvest. I did go to a Christian school as well, a Christian college. My mom went to Bob Jones, and so I went to Bob Jones. And I went there as a computer science major at first, not knowing what it was. <laughs> and so uh, I changed majors. I thought it was web design or graphic design or something. <laughs> so I found, discovered my error. <laughs> and uh, so I changed. I didn't know what to, to change to, but um, I love the Bible faculty. So I changed to Bible major and English minor. 
And uh, because I was a Bible major, I had to do an internship. And I started very early looking for an internship, and I thought I had, you know, some kind of network of friends that I would be able to get an internship. I didn't want to do the internship at my father's church because I had already seen it growing up. So I wanted a, a different experience. And so so I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and uh, one thing happened. Uh, so, like, Dr. McAllister, kind of at the end of the year, he's, you know, like, here you go, here you go, son. There's three, there's three choices. You know, if they won't take you, sorry. <laughs> but uh, so I just called the first one that happened to be uh, Steve Schroeder, uh, New Life Baptist Church. He's in uh, Indonesia now, but at that time he was in Chicago, and that was the first intern. I didn't know that. I know Steve and Bobby pretty well. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah right. close with our family. It's mm. interesting. Yeah. So that was the first time he had had an intern, and so they welcomed me in, and I learned a lot a lot <laughs> that that yeah. uh, summer but uh christy was in the youth group and she was of course you're not dating or anything during uh, an internship but she was on the fence about where she was going to go to school and a lot of her art friends were going to go to secular school and she had the good sense to know that there are some dangers there with the influences but she thought bob jones you know maybe he was a little they're a little weird there or something. But uh, <laughs> so after she met me, then she's like, oh, it doesn't seem so bad. <laughs> they might be okay, they a little bit normal. Okay. I, I <laughs> thought you were going to say she was reassured that it was weird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. She, right. Well, that was after we got married. No, <laughs> oh. yeah, so. But no, she decided uh, to go to Bob Jones. And so we didn't start dating until I was a senior that year. And she was a freshman. We're close in age. But being homeschooled, I started early. Okay. And she went a little later. So I didn't start dating. We didn't start dating immediately even then because I was going to go to China the next year. So I didn't want to have senior panic and start some kind of a relationship that way. But as the year went on, a lot of people thought it was a smart match and a lot of friends and the Lord worked in our heart. And so April, like uh, around Bible conference time. So I asked her, like, I'm going to China <laughs> for a year, but do you want to like start dating and see if, you know, the Lord would have us get married. You, um, and she, she said she would. She said she she thought, you know, the Lord wanted us together. So, so yeah, we started dating, and I did go to China for a year. And what did you do there? What was your goal for, for being in China? I was a Bible major, but I never, and my dad was a pastor, but I never thought that I would have, like, a pulpit ministry and lead a big church. So getting close to graduation, I, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with the Bible major. So one of my friends came back and said, you got to go to China and teach English there. Like tent making, it's, uh, you don't have to raise support. It's really an awesome open door. When you say tent making, what what do you mean by that? Tent making, like in the Bible, Paul is an example of someone who made tents. He worked with his own hands so as to not be a burden to others and to be a good example to the community. And really it says, you know, he's, he suffered, he toiled, you know, night and day to show them how much he loved them. Um, and so so nowadays, it's getting a job, not necessarily making tents, but I was able to go be hired as an English teacher in China and to work there and, and kind of uh, contribute to their society, help them as they're learning English, and also be there as a gospel witness, too, as mm-hmm. if you're teaching English— it doesn't stick with grammar very long. It's, it's not long before you start talking about what really matters to them, right, yeah. their values, 
and their philosophy on life. So, so it was really good. I taught. It was a funny time because I I was only 21, and a lot of my students uh, were either eight in the summer, or they were in their 40s or so. Mm-hmm. So they were. Um, so the ones that are older, of course, they look at me as. I guess it's kind of cute that we believe these fairy tales. Sure. It's yeah. kind of, but still very intriguing to them too, because they can see that God has blessed our country and many Christians and. So, so they're wondering, like, what is the secret? Like, is there anything to this? And so, so they did listen to me, although I was only 21. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was a very good time to be able to to share the gospel. I went because of because of Acts. Paul's teaching in a different Asia, but in the school of Tyrannus, he was able to reach. He taught there for two years and and reached the region of Asia. Right. So that was kind of my motivation to go and see the Lord would have have me do there. Yeah, it's really a great experience, and I've known a lot of people that have served in that way, Mm -hmm. and it can be life-changing, right? Some things that, what would you say would be some things that maybe you learned, and how did God use that experience to propel you to maybe where you're at now? Um, Definitely the the people in China were so friendly. It wasn't big city. I mean, all cities in China are big, but it was more of a, a country city. And so they were so friendly and so welcoming and so hungry. So you, to grow a love for them and to, to see, it's not that we're smarter or I'm not smarter, richer, or anything. It's just that I spoke English. Mm-hmm. And just being able to use that as a leverage to, to share the gospel, you know, that they would have uh, eternal life is just a, is a privilege. And aside from my interaction with them, my interaction with my other co-teachers was really taught me a lot just um the ladies there that had been there a long time just seeing their faithfulness uh, joy wegner was kind of the team leader but just seeing the you know the love that she had for her her team and uh, the family that that was created there really stuck with me we'll back up to maybe finish your story about coming to harvest but while we're talking about this you have a, a couple of different roles here right now i mean you're serving as director of food services at the right title. I think so, sure. Something <laughs> yes, like sir. that, mm-hmm. um, which is a very important job here. You teach English. Mm-hmm. Talk about you know your role as a deacon in the church. I do know that one of the things you're really passionate about, and I think you're passionate about all of these things, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you're very involved in some international camps and English as second language ministries. I'm guessing that those things were part of a burden that maybe you – God began to develop in your heart in China. Am I tracking right? Right. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. I, uh, one other thing I forgot that I learned while I was there is that I couldn't teach. I learned. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, some of the students were told me that. And some of the other people told me that. And uh, there is a, a lady there, Bonnie. She was a Canadian lady. She's a Christian. And uh, she kind of took me under her wing and uh, kind of helped me learn like how to manage a class and teach. And, and so when I came back from China, I did take some ESL classes and get some training, aiming to go back to China. Okay. And then the door never opened there. The people that I was with, their visas were rejected. So a lot of the connections were severed. So I wasn't able to go back to China. And Guam was pretty close. Somewhere in there, you must have gone home and the, the relationship with Christy was still growing. So right. tell me that story and then tell me how you came to Guam. Well, uh, yeah, Christy was uh, plugging away in school and uh, trying to finish her art degree. She was a junior when I finished, so we went, I went back and uh, we got married. 
And then um, since I worked in the cafeteria there at school as a student job, and I wanted to take classes in ESL, and they would help me out with the, the loan I had, I asked if they needed help in the kitchen, and so they hired me there. I worked on staff uh, at Bob Jones, too. And so I worked there and took uh, classes. And so, so that was a pretty busy time mm-hmm. as well with uh, Christy in school. And then so I, would, I would cook from like 4 to 1, um, and then I would take class, a class or two in the afternoon. Um, and then I would wait tables at Cracker Barrel uh, some evenings okay. or tutor English. But, um, but yeah, they were good years. And uh, right when I finished the English education degree, that's when we got an opportunity to come out here. And so the Lord's timing, I, th- I think, was for us to come here perfectly. Yeah. And so. And how long ago was that? How long have you been here now? Oh, we came here in July 2012. Okay. And so. And tell me about some of the international camp and international ministries that you're involved with here. The Harvest is an amazing place as uh, Guam is, it's American territory and it's very close to the Asian neighbors. And so a lot of people come here every year. And I have worked at other places. I taught ESL here, but I, I've worked at other camps around Ireland. And I knew that we could do it here and that we could also just, it's just a net in the water to me. There's having an opportunity to catch some of the people that are going to come to Guam mm-hmm. and that, that need to hear the gospel. And so it's just a very natural thing. And what's exciting about running camps and things is you have a chance to help out other people too. If it's just you as a teacher in a classroom, it's the one person, you and your students. But if, if you have a little bit more of a bigger program with camps, then you can kind of get other people that are like me back in the day and that, that are interested in this, that you want to try to help grow and disciple. And it comes as a job. Uh, so that's been great to see. And some of our students have been involved too. I'm reaching out as they help interpret in things if that's necessary. Mm-hmm. So, so Harvest has just been a great, unique opportunity, a, a field of opportunity that I don't think can exist anywhere else in the world. It's it's amazing. Yeah, no, I agree with you. There are a number of things that are part of what God's put into the the spectrum of ministry at Harvest that you just don't find anyplace else. And mm-hmm. it's because of a number of different factors that I think in God's providence he ordained to be here. And it's, uh, you know, I've said this a lot of times, I've traveled around the country and really around the world, lots of different churches. There isn't any place like Harvest. I'm not saying it's better than any place else, but just the uniqueness of the ministries is just very, very unique. I'm thankful to be here, mm-hmm. and I'm thankful that we're serving alongside dedicated servants like you and Christine. You have a couple of kids now, is that right? Right. Mm-hmm. We, uh, since since we moved here, we've had uh, two. So we have Rini, who's uh, in K-5, uh, Miss Shalhorn's class, and uh, and Rowan, who's two. Uh, Rini and Rowan. Serenity is her full name, but we call her Rini for yeah. short. Yeah. Rini and Rowan. We have just another minute or so here, but I love another ministry that you're very involved with, in fact, leading on Wednesday evenings, you're you're leading a ministry that's just conversational English. Could you tell us about that? Yes, sir. As uh, I started before, and uh, most of my tutoring has been with adults, and it's uh, really great to build relationships and get to know them and encourage them. Here at the school, of course, mostly the classes I have are with 
the students and some uh, elementary before, mostly high school now. But we do offer a, uh, a class for parents and high school students that are interested in coming to practice their English. It's a uh, very very uh, easygoing. It's just uh, have a partner that you can talk to and get to know. Uh, we have a topic every night and uh, we play some games and we have some refreshments and uh, it's just a good way and there's no charge. So it's an awesome way to to find a friend and uh, to be encouraged in your English and, in, and spiritually too. So if somebody was listening and said or knew of somebody that they might really be benefited from having being part of that conversational class. It's part of our family academy, which is mm-hmm. on Wednesday nights. Starts at 7 o'clock, is yes, that sir. right? Mm-hmm. And if they wanted more information, can they find it on the church website? Chris, maybe you yeah, have Yeah, they can go to hbcguam.org, and we do have a family academy under our programs tab on the website. Okay, so yeah, of course, if anybody's interested, we'll be starting a new, I think we're in the middle of a first session. Is there another right. session coming up? They're welcome to come sure. anytime, okay. even in the middle. We had uh, a couple of new visitors uh, last night, Okay, actually. So, yeah, but if they if they would like to hold off, we'll probably start around the middle of January or so for the second session, but they're welcome to come now. It's uh, exciting uh, at this time of year where we can do a little bit more with the holidays and uh, why we have Thanksgiving, why we have Christmas, and, of course, good food. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. Well, John, thank you for taking some time here to be with us. And more important than that, thank you and Christy for your service and uh, just the servant's heart that you demonstrated. We're thankful for what God's doing in your lives and uh, in the way that he's using you here. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening to Harvest Time. As always, at this time in the program, we want to personally invite you to services this weekend at Harvest Baptist Church. And we begin on Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m. We have children's programs, adult Bible fellowships. If you stop at our kiosk right out in front of the auditorium, somebody can direct you to the the right place for you or your kids. At 10.30 a.m., we'll be back in our series, Pursuing Our Mission, Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. And of course, go to the website to find out more about anything we've talked about today, hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. And thanks again for listening to Harvest Time.